The Crude Life with Jason Speed. To the crude life week in review. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Fantastic program lined up today. Literally, could be our best show ever. Boy, how's that for a little bit of excitement out of the gate here, folks? Boy, we've got a good show. We do have a good show, though. We're going to talk a little bit about small business and why it is critical and why it is important in oil and gas, and actually, why investing in oil and gas right now could be one of the smartest decisions you've ever made in your life. That's coming up in just a moment or two, our weekly Mining Money segment. And we've got Imran Khan waiting on the line, ready to go here with Swan Energy. Of course, they're buying natural gas leases if you have them. They're investing in oil wells all over the country, not so much in the East Coast, but they're investing pretty heavily right now because they believe that we're going to see a a resurgence of oil and gas in the next years to come and i agree with them without a doubt so what do we got coming up in the rest of the program after mining money well we welcome in jenica hauser she's a crude life content correspondent she interviews dan haley the ceo and president of the colorado oil and gas association about some of the big efforts in the past year including the fight against the regulations and also their attempts to educate people as uh, changes happen in the state of Colorado and actually starting to bleed into Wyoming. Tom Macero with the Great American Mining Company gives reasons why he believes Bitcoin is back in the news and it's spiking to an all-time high and many operators are looking at capturing that gas and converting it into Bitcoin. So he's talking about that. Northern Hemisphere mostly, but he explains why the Southern Hemisphere has its challenges. Tom Macero, Great American Mining Company coming up in just a moment or two, actually in the second half of the program. And then, of course, Fossil Fuel Fridays, Ken Lavin, Winter Mud, Matthew Hill, Knight Energy Services. They talk with Rusty Daly with Crescent Consulting in the weekly Fossil Fuel Fridays segment. Boy, we've got a jam-packed show. Let's see, we got Imran Khan ready to go, mining money with Swan Energy. Dan Haley, president Colorado Gas Association, interviewed by Jenica Hauser, our new content correspondent. Tom Macero, Great American Mining, talking about converting flaring into Bitcoins. And then Ken Lavin, Matthew Hill, Fossil Fuel Friday's jam-packed show. Let's hand the baton off right now. It is mining money right here on the Crude Life Week in Review. Imran Khan, Swan Energy. What do we got going on this week? In the electric world or in, in, in the EV space, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, but yeah, you, you bring out a really good point with respect to hydrogen. It's all about markets and markets taking on the new changes, right? It's not just the technology being developed, but also you know, from a from a market standpoint, can people actually take that on? And what usually happens in that space is the chicken and the egg, right? Right, and yeah. and and maybe it's not hydrogen. Maybe it's cold fusion. Maybe it's you know yeah. whatever whatever it is. The point is that the the going back to that the lawmakers trying to put five, ten, twenty years on these subsidies when 
the technologies are changing so fast. All you got to do is go to the university level to look at the majors and the, and the different technologies and softwares and the methodologies that, that they do. Um, on a bigger picture, if you want to take a step back from the 5,000-foot view, the other problem that these energy companies are, are having, in my opinion, and you're a smaller company, so you might understand this on the, on the microscope level, and therefore it's easy to fix, which is when you take a look at oil and gas, you think of Houston, and Houston is all about central planning. The old America is all about central planning. You want to have, like you mentioned, the flying cars. You think of the, you know, the, 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 the utopian Blade Runner, whatever it might be, that, that it's this central planned utopian that we all live in. Well, then you go to Silicon Valley, and it's nothing like that. It's just a bunch of hodgepodge weird stuff that a bunch of guys with money podged over here had and everything else, and it's, there's really no central planning behind it. So I look at the way that the oil and gas industry's Houston mentality of central planning is now trying to coexist with the Silicon Valley just nonsense. That's what is kind of happening. And because it's not returning a profit right away, and you know the Silicon Valley method, lose money for five years till you get bought out by a billionaire. I don't know if that's going to work in oil and gas. I guess I don't know, but we maybe it will. We'll talk about parsley energy in a second. You but see, you'll see a lot of fo- a lot of folks going out of uh, going out of business and bankruptcy is happening, right? I think. Well, that totally. You're right. You know, a lot of times I think about what you just said. Like these companies come up with these ideas and they're they're failures, and someone comes out and throws a billion dollars or whatever into it. Well, yeah, of course, when you throw a large number like that, you just kind of. You, you, you maybe you eventually find the success or you continuously fund the failure, right? Really comes right back to what we were talking about with hydrogen earlier, right? I, it just really makes the, the difference is some things are, are positive and, and you know that they are going to succeed and other, other uh, technologies are not. This next question, I, um, I actually wish Brandon was here for this next question because I'd love to hear his opinion on this. So uh, Matt Parsley... I'm sorry, Matt Gallagher, CEO of Parsley uh, Energy. He was used, uh, we used him as an example several times throughout this program because when Texas was talking about stepping in and controlling production, do you remember that last fall or last spring? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was controversial. And uh, Mike Summers from API, like before they even suggested that before the end of the sentence, he came out, knee-jerk reaction, absolutely not oil and gas, no subsidies, this and that. Well, then Matt Parsley, Matt Gallagher for Parsley came out a week later on CNBC and said, maybe we should look at having that happen. Maybe the government should do that. Well, they're, you know, he's pretty tight and pretty close with a lot of the people who are making the decisions. Well, then they, you know, a few months later, last week, they get bought out. They had debt, significant debt. So, he was essentially becoming not only a CEO but a lobbyist for the for that that controlled production. It's, it's, he was it just that that's what he was doing was he was telling a story with that. Right? Totally, he basically, he, you know what I mean. If you look at what you know what his view was versus you know what the what the government's view was, and then him coming out and saying that and now it being sold off, it, it's a total. You know, it, it happens, right? I mean, it's not it's not easy to be able to survive in these types of tough times. But that's where I, I see where a lot of people get a little bit upset about the government coming in and stepping in and that sort of thing because um, 
if you have access to a lot of these different companies and, and that sort of error, I'm sorry, politicians and lawmakers, that's where all of a sudden you get that subsidy money while the other guys are still hustling and, you know, hemorrhaging out at the end of the day. And that's why we go back to the safety and numbers and strength and numbers and that sort of thing. I just thought that was interesting that he was lobbying for the government intervention because they were going to get it. And, uh, and then, a, you know, a few months later, they get they get bought out by... Who bought them out again? It was... Uh, okay. Um, It'll come to me here. Yeah. Sorry. Jade Stone, was it? Was that the name? Jade Stone? That's possible. Anyway, well, that's not important. So let's talk about Swan Energy, what you guys have going here and stuff. <laughs> uh, but going back to, you know, the bigger guys aren't the big, aren't necessarily the uh, safe bet right now when it comes to investing. It is, it is the smaller companies, the mid-sized companies. So let's talk about what you guys have going on, what you're investing in. You're just out in Big Spring taking a look at some Permian properties. Um, natural gas, I, I know you guys are always looking at that as well. But talk to me about the, the investment side and what people can um, do to come and invest with you guys. Yeah, definitely. So, so um, we've got a lot of things going on. Uh, you know, we've got uh, a lot of different projects right now. We're we're, we're setting up for uh, uh, a frac next week. Um, you know, for for some of our partners that uh, uh, that that, that uh, have invested with us. So, we're, we've got a lot of different things going on. You know, the best way to be able to get in touch with us and and discuss some of the different uh, investment opportunities from a partnership standpoint. Uh, is to reach out at uh, www.swanenergyinc.com. Uh, again, swanenergyinc.com. Um, if you'd like to reach me directly, you can too. Uh, it's Imran at swanenergyinc.com. It's I-M-R-A-N at swanenergyinc.com. I'd love to be able to hear from people. I know you've uh, forwarded some different uh, uh, messages over to me in the past, Jason, and it's, it's always great to be able to see and understand uh, different viewpoints and and uh, hear from hear from our listeners always. To listen to the full-length interview with Imran Khan of Swan Energy or to check out other Mining Money segments, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our social media and also some of our network we have growing and our daily show coming in the first of the year. That's right, a daily show coming after the first of the year. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. Dan Haley, Jenica Hauser, up next, right here on the Crude Life Week in Review. Well, I was born under a harvest moon. And I wasn't too late and I wasn't too soon. And I was born on the first day of my life. And I was two years old when John Lennon died. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure 
the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Well, Santa looked a lot like Daddy. Her Daddy looked a lot like him. That's not the way I had him pictured. Santa was much too thin. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for joining us here this week. Right now, we're going to hand it off to Jenica Hauser, a Crude Life content correspondent, as she interviews Dan Haley, the president and CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. Well, good day, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jenica Hauser, and I recently became a content contributor for The Crude Life. And today we are here to talk with the CEO and president of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association, Dan Haley. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. You bet. I looked over the website a little bit, and it uh, it definitely looks like you're always busy, it seems. <laughs> yeah, things are things never slow down in Colorado, that's for sure. That's uh, probably a good thing, though, right? Well, it's good that it keeps us busy, but it would certainly be nice uh, to get a bit of a, a break from regulations in Colorado. Oh, okay. Well, would you like to tell us a little bit about what you mean by that? Sure. Well, sure. This is just... Uh, we have been in sort of a constant state of regulation the past couple years. Really, if you go back about a decade, Colorado began a series of really uh, big rulemakings uh, regarding oil and gas and regulations for oil and gas. But really, since the election of 2018, uh, with a new governor in Colorado, Jared Polis, and you sort of had at that moment Democrats sweeping across the state in numbers that we hadn't seen since the 1930s. Uh, they wow. set into motion a series of rulemakings that have been underway since 2019, and a bulk of those have taken place this year. So really always a lot going on here in terms of the regulatory world, the political world, uh, a lot for us to do as advocates for industry and defenders of industry to ensure that we can continue to operate and produce resources in this state. Yeah, and I, I can imagine that might be made difficult with the uh, movement against the oil and gas industry. Yes, and so what you're seeing is uh, the movement in Colorado. There are there are some, I would say, a small number of people who uh, I would consider to be activists who don't want this product to ever leave the ground. And then you have sort of the, the ruling class of uh, the Democrats who are in charge in Colorado now who want to pass regulations to ensure its safety, to ensure that we're we're producing this resource as safe as possible and as cleanly as possible. I think industry has been doing that for years, uh, long before these people took office, but that's kind of what's been happening now, is this push to make sure uh, that we are protective of public health, safety, welfare, and the environment. Well, and yeah, that does seem to be the the biggest concern that that gets uh, well that gets said anyway in regards to that movement against the oil and gas industry. It's interesting to me though there isn't a whole lot of talk for what has been going on. Would you be interested in sharing with us a little bit about what you guys have been doing? I noticed that on the website it talked about uh, the cleanest molecule in Colorado, which I found to be particularly intriguing. Sure. So um, we can we can talk about several different things. Um, one of the things that we hear a lot about in Colorado and really across the country is about climate change. And we have been in Colorado uh, sort of 
in front of the game on that and hearing a lot about climate change. And I think as uh, someone who represents industry, I think it's incumbent upon all of us to really learn how to talk about that and to understand what's being done uh, to address climate change, whether in Colorado or, or throughout the country. And, you know, noting that, that we need to do our part. And in Colorado, we contribute only 0.6% of the global greenhouse gas emissions out there. So that's a very good thing. Uh, but also needing to understand that we're not going to solve climate change from Colorado, especially when we're producing only 0.6%. So we need to talk about that. We need to talk a little bit about how we are part of the solution uh, with the increased use of natural gas uh, displacing coal and really what that has done for our emissions profile in Colorado and really across the country. But as we do that, what we're the discussion we're trying to have here in Colorado is to really look out ahead a little bit. And to say, look, we understand that we need these resources for the long foreseeable future. We know we're going to need oil and gas for years to come. So if we know that, then shouldn't we want to produce that as clean as possible and really to use those resources that are being developed as clean as possible, which we believe are, is happening right here in Colorado. So what you have noticed, what we call the Colorado molecule, is really a way to show that the energy produced here in this state is cleaner, better, and safer than most anywhere on the planet. So again, we're going to continue to need this resource as a society. We should want to develop here in the United States, and particularly in Colorado, under these rigorous environmental standards and also using the technology innovation that has been pioneered in this country and particularly in this state to do that in a much better and cleaner, safer way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that definitely needs to be talked about. What are some things do you think that were improved just within this last year? Just in this last year in terms of um, innovations or, or uh, Yeah. Sure. So we have been, uh, there's been a lot happening in Colorado. I don't know what I can point to in terms of things that have happened just this past year. What we've been dealing with this past year was largely uh, those rulemakings and, you know, trying to get our arms around that. Uh, but there's been a lot happening in, in Colorado and elsewhere, really with with just, you know, cost-effective strategies to really uh, reduce greenhouse gas emissions, to make this cleaner, new tank controls, uh, new uh, pipeline management, these non-emitting pneumatics. We have seen an increase in the utilization of electric drilling rigs and pumps, closed-loop systems. Uh, you're beginning to hear more about carbon capture, storage, utilization strategies, and all of those things really have a role to play, I think, in, in, in the future. Um, what we're trying to talk about here in Colorado, and I think you'll see other people doing it across the country, is really how do we incentivize those things rather than these top-down mandates? Let's talk about what the end goal is. If the end goal is reducing carbon, then give us a, a chance at that. Give us a shot to reduce carbon through these technologies uh, that have been employed out in the field and have been very successful to this point. What we have in Colorado is, you know, our governor is has set a, a 2040 deadline for an all renewable energy future. So he's picking uh, a winners and losers there. He's saying he wants renewable energy to deliver clean energy in, in 2040. And what we're saying is, if you what's your end goal? Is your end goal, you know, to reduce carbon? Then let's talk about that. We've got ways to do that. I think a 2040 renewable 
standard is is impossible given what we know right now, given where technology is. And so why why sell people on an impossible standard? Let's talk about what's real, what's realistic, and what we can do to help meet those standards. For those of you listening, that was Dan Haley, the CEO and president of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. And you can find more information about what we discussed in today's interview by going to koga.org. That's C-O-G-A dot org. And if you liked what you heard, you can find more content at thecrudelife.com. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Go, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. The kids in girl and boy land will have a jubilee. They're gonna build a toy land all around that Christmas tree. So you better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming. Yeah, man, Santa Claus is coming to town. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by It Takes an Industry to Build a Forest. Hey, folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and The holiday music heard on today's program is performed by singer-songwriter Blind Joe. For more information on Blind Joe and how to purchase his music, visit thecrudelife.com and click on the Musicians tab. You'll find all the information and links to Blind Joe there. One more time, this is singer-songwriter Blind Joe with some holiday music. Had a very shiny nose And if you ever saw it You would even say it glows all of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we have Tom Macero with the Great American Mining Company. Excellent. Thank you for joining the program here today. We got a few things on the docket, on the plate, on the menu here today with Tom Macero, Great American Mining, which does a lot of Bitcoin mining out in the Bakken. They've tried it in some other places as well, depending on the heat index. I'll let Tom talk a little bit about that. But first of all, uh, how's things going with you there, good sir? Well, uh, 
strangely well for being uh, 2020. Um, you know, I think a lot of us uh, in this particular field in oil and gas, as well as even in Bitcoin, we've, uh, you know, faced the, the lows of this year and then all the other craziness that we had to overcome along with, you know, folks in the, in the oil and gas industry. And, and now, you know, there's a little signs of life. Uh, Bitcoin price is a uh, inch close to an all time high, close to uh, $20,000. Um, oil is starting to creep up a little bit and uh, you know there's signs of life out there with producers who are starting to think a little differently in terms of how to maximize uh, every dollar out of their molecules that they have so we're, yeah we're excited to go into 2021 uh, and we're just excited to get out of 2020 that's for sure you said bitcoin is up to an all-time high or near all-time high yeah i think it uh, was up to around 19.5 yesterday uh, all-time high is just uh, right around twenty thousand dollars. So uh, yeah, it's um, had quite the late summer um, kind of ramp up. And uh, you know, I think one of the articles I sent you uh, maybe last week sometime uh, there was a Citibank analyst who uh, essentially came out and um, predicted that they foresee a Bitcoin price in the next year or two of uh, three hundred and twenty-one thousand dollars per Bitcoin. From fifteen twenty thousand, correct. Well, that's yeah, that, that, that. That it, seems a little bit ridiculous, doesn't it? It does. Uh, but like the, the interesting thing about the way Bitcoin works is it's it is a controlled um, distribution of of the Bitcoin or of the production of Bitcoin. So there will only ever be twenty one million Bitcoin ever made. Right now in circulation, there's approximately eighteen million. Um, so that means that there will only ever be 3 million Bitcoin uh, minted here in the next, I don't know, 100 years or so. What? Why only um, 21 million? Yes. The creator of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, when he originally designed or dreamt up this monetary system, was based on the fact of all of these central banks and uh, it, it kind of inflation getting into all of our lives like we're seeing right now, he saw the financial meltdown of 2008 and said he wanted to create a deflationary um, monetary system. And, and so in that, I would say like concoction of trying to right the wrongs of, of the modern banking system, he created a deflationary um, um, monetary system. And so in that sense, the, because it is capped in terms of supply, like for example, we just keep printing dollars right now. Um, eventually, maybe one could even say right now that there will be a devaluation due to all of the printing that's taking place because it's not backed by anything. Um, Bitcoin, we know because of the computer algorithm, there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin ever printed. Okay, so, it, so just let me, let me pause one second here. Yes, sir. What prevents more Bitcoin from being printed because there was a time when the Federal Reserve said, we're not going to print any more money. And, and they went ahead. I mean, Japan's on QE infinity. Now they've done it so many times. They actually call it infinity. So um, that to me would be the biggest question is uh, what makes Bitcoin so definitive that once it gets to 21 million, it then stops. Cause if that's the case, that's fantastic. Yeah, Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. And 
the reason why these things are different is the central bank or uh, in, you know Japan in that instance, there are men in gray suits who decide these um, decisions arbitrarily at their own whim or in most cases um, at you know for their own expense or for their own um, I would say at our expense for their own gain. In Bitcoin, we are all, when I say we, anyone who is uh, partaking in this network by having mining uh, equipment or nodes that essentially all interact with this network, we are the enforcers of the software that is running. And so no one can make that change um, in and of ourselves. There's not one entity that can come in and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to make this change. Um, and that's what's beautiful about it, because all of this mining equipment that, you know, you're starting to hear about um, on, on these uh, oil and gas fields, this is all going to protect this network. And it's reinforcing the rules that are already in place. And it would take a very, very big change in terms of, of, of how something like that could get changed um, based on, you know, it it'd almost have to be sentiment within uh all of the miners and people using Bitcoin to advocate for this. Um, obviously, if we keep continue to see the value continue to go up and up and up, that is the last thing we want um, to have happen is to have our money now devalued. Because it's not the now. Remember, it's our money now. If you own a Bitcoin, it's yours. It's not in a. It's not in a bank collecting interest. In fact, they own your money when it's in a bank. So um, you know the onus is on us. All the owners of bitcoin we that's we, we protect our own network and um and i think that particular use case will become more and more important uh in the coming years and that was tom acero with the great american mining company to listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews visit the crudelife.com that's the crudelife.com Coming up next, we've got Fossil Fuel Fridays. Ken Lavin with Winter Mud, Matthew Hill with Night Energy Service. They talk with Rusty Daly about industry cuts, band-aids, and outright repairs going on. It's Fossil Fuel Fridays up next on the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. used to laugh and call him names. They'd never let poor Rudolph. Join in any reindeer game Then one foggy Christmas Eve Santa came to say Rudolph with your nose so bright Won't you guide my sleigh tonight Then all the reindeer loved him As they shouted out with glee Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer You'll go down in history Then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? And how the reindeer loved him as they shouted out with glee, Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer, you'll go down in history. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, you'll go down in history. 
with Truth Life is sponsored in part by... When it comes to making money, they say buy low and sell high. That's what they say. Well, right now is a great time to invest in the oil and gas industry. Almost anyone can invest in the oil and gas industry, and Swan Energy wants to help you out. Their joint venture structure is constructed to protect you during all phases of the partnership process and investment. They offer a direct participation in oil and gas projects to partner approved investors. To find out more information about how you can invest in the oil and gas industry, contact Swan Energy today. Visit their website, swanenergyinc.com. Dot com. That's swanenergyinc.com. Today is a great day to invest in oil and gas. The holiday music heard on today's program is performed by singer-songwriter Blind Joe. For more information on Blind Joe and how to purchase his music, visit thecrudelife.com and click on the Musicians tab. You'll find all the information and links to Blind Joe there. One more time, this is singer-songwriter Blind Joe with some holiday music. On here to stay is the new bird He sings a love song as we go along Walking in a winter wonderland In the meadow we can build a snowman And pretend that he is Parson Brown He'll say, are you married? We'll say, no man But you can do the job when you're in town Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, it's our weekly segment, Fossil Fuel Fridays, hosted by Ken Lavin of Winter Mud and Matthew Hill of Night Energy Services. Let's hand it off to Matt Hill and Ken Lavin. Fossil Fuel Fridays. All right, all right, all right. Hey, I'm Matt Hill. I'm with Night Oil Tools. I'm here at the Midcontinent Oilman's uh, Golf Tournament in Oklahoma City, and uh, we're just getting some friends together to talk a little bit about uh, oil and gas and uh, hopefully uh, learn a little bit about each other and uh, what we do, and maybe we can network with you and uh, see how we can help you. Uh, this is Ken. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Guys, Ken Lavin, Winter Mud, sales manager there. Uh, we're a full-service drilling mud company. Uh, been in the oil and gas industry for guys about to go on 17 years. So uh, great to be here. I'm, I'm probably the entertainment of the crowd that we have right now, oh, but that's okay. Poor people. Yeah, total normal. But, uh, yeah, great to uh, support our industry. And, uh, yeah, get to introduce some guys and try and get this uh, social media platform for the oil and gas guys to where you know hey guess what we're hip and cool we were out there too so we're here we're there and we also have a lot of people on the other side of uh, our industry that are opponents of it that get a platform and so we've found that it's a good way to spread the word about just how uh, much oil and gas does for everyone on our planet uh, we're blessed today to have a very uh, dear friend of mine uh, rusty with us today and i'm just going to let him take it over and uh, introduce himself and who he's with and what he does Hey, thanks, Matt. <clears throat> so, uh, Rusty Daly, Crescent Consulting here in Oklahoma City. We also have an office in Midland, but we're out here at the uh, 20 Hills Golf and Country Club today for the Oklahoma City Women's 53rd Annual. Having 350 golfers out here this week. Uh, start on Wednesday. Unfortunately, we've got some weather delay today. So, uh, we're, we come inside. These guys set their podcast up. But uh, uh, we had a pretty good turnout. We had uh, the option to make a hole-in-one challenge on hole number seven. So, we had a... Uh, what a GX460 Lexus offered out there, very gracious from Eskridge Honda nice. and Lexus here in town. So we thank them for supporting 
um, that cause. We had uh, some other vendors out. I've seen Old Terra out there cooking and Drill Co. cooking, so I appreciate those guys supporting us um, as the market's down. So it's tight budgets, but we had some people out here supporting us. So um, that's what we have going on today. So thanks, Matt. No, thank uh, you for coming. Uh, Rusty, I, I love... Uh, what Crescent Energy does um, as a as a company, uh, tell us a little bit about what what all they offer for the oil field. Okay, so as the market has leaned up um, for the past probably year and a half, and obviously in the last three or four months, offices are getting leaner. They're having to cut off staff that may not be busy 365 days a year. So you're starting to see folk lean on uh, consulting firms, bringing in. Um, uh, a la carte services, if you will, if you need a geologist, if you need a reservoir engineer, if you need a completion engineer, a drilling engineer, if you need pumpers, if you need um, uh, facility engineers, you need uh, uh, facility engineers, production engineers watching your production uh, day in, day out on a um, kind of a consulting fee or on a retainer that's available to people. <clears throat> so therefore, you wouldn't have to uh, hire a production engineer in your office. You can retain these guys, use them as needed, and uh, firms like ours or Crescent Consulting will offer the pumpers uh, the location support on a daily basis. Production engineers watching those guys and reporting that data uh, to the uh, lean offices, to the operators. So we're able to greatly reduce their overhead, their employment at their office, yet give them a flexible service uh, that they can scale down and keep their cost in line. Actually, so at the end of the day, they're actually more profitable. Only utilizing expertise as needed. Mm -hmm. Do you have a lot of business uh, just all over Oklahoma, or do you have it on Oklahoma, Texas? Are, are you're, you offer your services in every basin? Yeah, in every basin. Um, so, like a lot of companies, we have, we have about 350 MSAs with uh, various operators. So uh, we've got, uh, we've got uh, 90 guys working right now, today across the U.S., so roughly, you know, 180 a month uh, uh, working, and we have eight in-house engineers uh, at Crescent, so they're handling everything from AFE to uh, procurement services. We have, we have a regulatory team that people lean on, uh, at, you know, and that's at this time to, uh, as they're cutting regulatory staff because they're not needed all the time, we've jumped in to fill that role. Do you see what you do as a growing uh, industry uh, area for businesses like yours, they're going to be more than ever reaching out to companies to take over their entire project management? Yes, as operators understand the process and they start looking at the pricing structure and they start uh, realizing, okay, I'm not utilizing uh, my staff uh, every day. I mean, I might be using it three months, I might be using it four months. I can uh, consult that out and uh, uh, save that money, uh, uh, you know, over a yearly process. To check out the entire interview of Fossil Fuel Fridays with Ken Lavin of Winter Mud and Matthew Hill, Night Energy Services, they talk with Rusty Daly with Crescent Consulting. Go to thecrudelife.com, check out the Week in Review show page for all the links that you need in order to direct you to the different places like Fossil Fuel Fridays. It's a great weekly segment. In fact, it's so great, The Crude Life has picked it up on our network. So thank you, Matt and Ken. You guys are doing a terrific job out there uh, keeping the Shale Play USA information highway going, the pipeline of percolating, posturific, 
I can't think of another P word that is information-based. So pieces of petroleum pontification. There we go. I'm not even sure, boy. That, oh, boy. That's going to do it this week, folks. With that, the weekend review is going to put a fork in myself because that's it. We'll be back next week at this time on this radio station, maybe. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Dan Haley, President and CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. Imran Khan of Swan Energy, as well as Tom Macero, Great American Mining, and, of course, Ken Lavin, Winter Mud, Matthew Hill, Knight Energy Service, and Rusty Daly with Crescent Consulting. Thank you very much for being a part of the Crude Life and the Crude Life Week in Review. Jenica Hauser, welcome to the Crude Life community as one of the content correspondents. We look forward to any and all future interviews and communication with the very professional and very journalistic Jenica Hauser here at the Crude Life. All right, folks, from the staff here at the Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. Bad, bad Leroy Brown We'll have lots of fun with Mr. Snowman The baddest snowman in the whole damn town Yeah Later on we'll conspire As we dream by the fire Face on afraid Plans that we've made Walking in a winter wonderland Let's all frolic and play The Eskimo way Walking in a winter wonderland. Oh, let's go walking in a winter wonderland. The holiday music heard on today's program is performed oh. by singer-songwriter Blind Joe. <laughs> For more information on Blind Joe and how to purchase his music, visit thecrudelife.com and click on the Musicians tab. You'll find all the information and links to Blind Joe there. One more time, this is singer-songwriter Blind Joe with some holiday music. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Well, it doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow When we finally kiss goodnight How I'll hate going out of the storm But if you really hold me tight All the way home I'll be warm Well, the fire is slowly dying But my dear, we're still goodbye So as long as you love me so let it snow, let it snow, let it snow When we finally kiss goodnight How I'll hate going out of the storm But if you really hold me tight All the way home I'll be
The Crude Life is sponsored in part by It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com.